Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And good morning, gardening friends. Hope you're enjoying this uh, little bit of precipitation, shall we call it. We are ready to roll. Bev Daring is back. Yay. And Bev will answer your calls when you phone in today. Our researcher, John Glidden, is ready to assist us as always. And if you'd like to contact us, you can call 94841927 or email us at gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big cheers to Chris Bartlett. Good to see Chris today. Always has an energetic breakfast show and it's a great way to kick off the weekend. I think Chris was kindly supported by the very capable Yvonne Hill. So thanks to you too. And our cycling DJ, Jim Crine, and he just presented the rap, cycling wrap-up just now. And Jim returns at 10am to play you some classic 70s music. So there's something to look forward to at 10am. Faye, how's it all going? It's, How have you survived this week? Well, I actually have. I, Well, we're here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in and out. Been doing a little bit of work inside and a bit yeah. more outside. No yeah. real gardening, I have to say, but... Yeah, I guess yeah. quite a bit of hand watering, hovering over things, yeah, monitoring, yeah. filling up the bird baths. It's it's we're in you're sort of in I call it survival mode and I think you're just maintaining and watching and trying to look after things as best you can. I don't think there's any too many people out there that won't have damage in the garden. I certainly do. Uh, and a few things. Uh yes, it's been harrowing and let's hope that we're tailing off with these heat waves i know we've got some heat coming up at the end of the week but maybe if it's just a day here and there that we can do and the sun has moved yeah, so has it's moved, not I agree. not going mm. to affect your plants in the same way but it mm. may it, be yeah. that they come in and I've uh, had side that. sideways I've had that. and comes in different things burn but i think it's a good opportunity ray for people to look at how their garden has managed at this time mm. And decide where they want to be in 12 months. So mm. if part of your garden has taken a big hit, and I'm sure there will be lots of people experiencing this, some of those plants will come back. But it's likely to happen again in 12 months. Mm. So do you want to deal with that in the same way? Or is there something you can do. can add? Can you change something? Can you thin out those low plants and perhaps create a space for a tree, the umbrella mm, or canopy, mm, mm. to give them a little bit of protection. You can look at deciduous trees. Uh, you can look at tropical styles, uh, palms. There's a range to fit every situation. And there's so many benefits to oh. adding in another tree, isn't there? Yeah. There absolutely is. Now, Nikki Waters, our <laughs> our indoor plant guru, is joining us from 20 past eight. So we've got her with us for the entire program. Cannot wait. I hope we will have enough time, Ray. 
to fit everything in. <laughs> to fit everything well, I know in. you have a list of things that you, oh, you yes. thought we could talk about to help out our listeners. Yeah, so, you know, we're talking about indoor, outdoor growing spaces. Uh, it's it's very much focused on houseplants and uh, how we can optimise. So we'll go through the ins and outs and uh, get Nikki to enlighten us all. So she's a lovely girl. We can't wait to have her in the studio. Well, if we do run out of things to talk about, Ray, we can go back to the beginning and we can oh. rehash things like the potting mix recipe and her tips for creating air movement in mm. a hothouse or rigged up outdoor space because I, she's really delivered some pearls of wisdom. And another one that I remember was the... Hydrogen peroxide in water mm, mm. and how that can really benefit cuttings. Yeah, no, um, very She's good a wealth of knowledge. She is and she shares and that's really wonderful. So we look forward to that and we will be discussing what to do in your garden now. And you've got written down here, top plants that sizzle in summer without frying. <laughs> well, there are a lot around. Yeah, there are. There, there really are. You I've know, watched some plants in my area do very well in my suburb, if you like. Exactly. And I'm, I've, that's impressed me. I wonder if those same plants will look good in the colder weather. Hmm. I'm talking about magnolias. I've seen do uh, very well. Yes. And I've seen ornamental pears do extremely well. Uh, not a mark on them, you know. So I walk around and I check out who's doing who's doing what. Mm. I mm. notice more flowers on my magnolia this week too. Yeah. So they just power away. They, they just, just go just bring do. it on, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't hurt me. No. And we've got our regular quizzes, of course, Bigger Trees and... Green Life Soil Co. And I think I might do one of them sooner than later, actually, uh, to uh, give us a bit more space. Now, I know we've got a couple of emails. Were they from last week or we had a No, few no, we got through last week's oh, okay, emails. Okay. This one has come in from Helen and she says, oh, I've got problems with the shade here from the microphone. Uh, morning, gals. Been doing some engineering while listening to the show this morning. Cable ties and sticks work a treat on my balcony. And she's rigged up some shade cloth over yeah. uh, benches of seedlings, it looks like. So that's a great idea. And then the view goes to the street down yonder. So great idea, Helen. Uh, now, that looks like that came in last Saturday afternoon. Okay. But Fantastic. Um, yes, creating any sort of cover, Shade. whether it's umbrellas, uh, light sheets thrown over the top of plants to mm. protect them, mm. or shade cloth rigged yeah. up so that they, improvised. they uh, are protected from that sun in the hottest part of the day. And also that area probably gets a lot of reflected heat yeah, from the, the floor of the balcony and, and the walls of the building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I there's just around the corner from where I live, I noticed someone that set up like a little mini tunnel over plants and it just had the half metal moon-shaped wire, whatever, framework. and that was sort of put along across the length of the garden and then they put over it some um, uh, shade cloth and they just sort of pegged it along and I thought, yep, perfect, you know, just things like that. It Absolutely. all helps and it wouldn't have been a lot of work to do. No, that's yeah. right. Yeah, just improvising. Just think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Yes, if it, if it's temporary like umbrellas, you would yeah. have been out there quite a few days last week. So because doing something that's semi-permanent. And they blow away mm. <laughs> as mm. well. But, yeah, umbrellas are very helpful. I think Bev sounds like she's the queen of our umbrellas. Umbrella queen, <laughs> yeah, with her plants, yes. yes. Now, Robin from Kingsley has sent in a photo of some eucalyptus leaves and they've got, it looks like, white fluffy or crystally uh, little homes on them, and these would be lerps. So yeah, I thought that's the, what they were. Um, the psyllid insect is a sap-sucking insect, and it builds its little home around it, and so the insect is actually sheltered underneath these little crystals, and they come in amazing patterns. There's shell lerps and, and all sorts of crazy, incredible lerp patterns. They're just beautiful to look at. So what's their, what is their purpose? What do they do? Well, their purpose is to survive, but <clears throat> on a good note, Ray, they're food for birds. So particularly the uh, puddle oats. Puddle oats are very small birds. They're striated and spotted. They will fly high in the trees, although with our hot weather, you may have seen them down at ground level trying to get cool or coming to bird baths as well. And do they damage the tree, the lerps? No. They don't? There's not a lot that can damage our eucalyptus trees. Yeah. Like, And once these develop, yes, things like the, the puddle oats come in and eat them as a food source. There's a lot of birds doing it tough at the moment. Yeah. I, I've noticed uh, this last week there's a little bit more insect activity than what there had been previously. Mm. And... It's not a bad thing. It means that there's food for a lot of the, the higher-up predators, birds, mm. lizards, etc. bats, mm. um, of which we have many around the, the area, but they often don't get seen. Mm. But very important to look after that, that part of the ecosystem or that part of the food chain. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. All right, one more. Uh this was another one uh, that came in from Steve and he has sent in a photo of a very crispy looking uh, budded rose plant mm. and it appears that it is uh, it has suffered from signs of the chili thrips which have been around a bit of late. Yeah. The damage is mm. done. Mm. The good news is that all those 40 plus days can actually nuke out the chili thrips. Mm. So what I would say now, we talked about They're the not summer to be able to survive that sort of thing. No, that's right. Mm. So mm. we've given it a good go. Mm. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about summer rose pruning and it's been way too hot. But hey, folks, this is the signal. Uh, I think the weather's just eased off a little bit. The rain is there. I would get out and do my summer prune now. I would also look at feeding the soil, uh, perhaps uh, a seaweed or probiotic type food for the soil and also start to think about what mulch you can put down because with this rain plus what we what some of us had a few weeks ago, the winter weeds are on their way. Yeah, there are weeds germinating. Mm. So preparation is key. Yeah. Improve your soil. Even I'm starting to think about the palletized chicken manure and I'll buy lots of bags mm. when we have rain and sprinkle that around. So I've missed the boat for this weekend, but that next lot, yeah. I'll, I'll be ready to go. It just, mm. 
has got that feel about something's changed. I know the daylight hours have changed. Mm. Things are triggered to get moving. We Mm. are entering that next phase. It's crazy, but some of my pots that have bulbs that just sit in there from year to year, some of them are moving already. That's how it works. I know. And it's It's, like, okay, okay, you guys. (laughs) We are moving on. So last week I said I wasn't going to sugarcoat the weather, but we've... We've passed that hurdle. It surely can't be 40 plus again. Oh, uh, famous last words, I think, well, at the minute. Yes, we don't know. But look, yeah, I mean, I'm very, I'm a skeptic with weather reports on a good day. Yes, and I do watch the weather a lot. And I think it's because we're gardeners. That's my obsession. Well, autumn is yeah. coming this week. I know. Well, that's in theory on the calendar. March, that's right. March one. That's right. Um, I have a standard rose, a beautiful standard rose that is very burnt and also has chili thrip. And I looked at it last night and I thought, gee, you know, uh, I'm stressed. I thought this, this plant is not doing well. This one, just this one, just this one. You know, some handle better than others. And, you know, some plants... Plants are just wussy, aren't they, This one is. This one is. This is a David Austin. Is it it worth it? Ask yourself. Oh, well, it's special to me. Mm, Okay. uh, But I'm not sure it's worth it. Time will tell. Let's see if it recovers from this this situation that Mm. it's in. And I feel like it's my fault. I just feel like I needed to have done more for it. But I I have tried. Let's head to Vic Park. Adrian, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you going today? Really Good, well. thanks, Adrian. How can we help you? I just had a random question. I've got lots of those little wee lizards in my garden. I was wondering if that's a sign of a healthy garden. I think it is. If I had lots of lizards, I would be thinking I've got signs of a healthy garden, Adrian. And, of course, one of the pests that are out now, John showed us a photo this morning of a, a friend of his who has got grasshoppers stripping a frangipani and I said well what you need is more bird baths and more water bowls at ground level to bring in and support the habitat or to support the wildlife because lizards will eat a lot of what people consider pest insects in the garden. I I think that's brilliant and lizards are also food for some of the birds so you've got it all going on there Adrian. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much, ladies. Have You're a good welcome. <laughs> very happy, chappy. Thank you, Adrian. And coming up after the break, Nikki Waters is here. She is from Gold Leaf Greenhouse. Gold Leaf Greenhouse. And uh, we're looking forward to chatting with her. I'm going to give something away. Because oh, we very can. good. One of John's quizzes. You must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. So if you'd like to win a $75 gift voucher, Compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees. Here we go. Bigger Trees are the Frangipani tree specialist. Make no mistake about that. They are also an ornamental and fruit tree specialist nursery as well. And they're located in Pickering Brook. Huge amounts of magnificent stock do arrive each week. And we suggest you browse their colourful Facebook page for updates and videos of the nursery. I noticed they've added some gorgeous giftware into their range and fabulous potware. Whether it be big plants or little plants, Bigger Tree has you covered and they deliver across the metro area for your convenience. They are open Thursday through to Sunday each week, 10am to 4pm and on Sundays, 10am to 2pm. So the other days, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 10am to 4 and 10 to 2 on Sundays. For more details, go to biggertrees.com.au. Here's the song. Finish the song lyric. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a what? (laughs) 
finish the song lyric. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a what? 94841927. Good luck. The music you remember. Curtain Radio. And you're with Let's Talk Gardening with Brian Faye. And our special guest in the studio has joined us, Nikki Waters from Gold Leaf Greenhouse. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We, we look amazingly well given the heat waves we've been through. It's been a hard yes. slog, hasn't it? It really I mean, has. It's seriously. been so much work so just much looking work. after plants. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, when you're a gardener, that's right. I mean, a lot of people, if they're not gardener inclined, they can just maybe spirit, spirit away into the air conditioning <laughs> Oh, yes. And not worry. Not so for us, is it? No, definitely not. And yeah. the amount of times every day looking after greenhouses, misting, but then too much humidity. Yeah. yeah. That, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yes. I couldn't agree with you more, actually. Have you, have you learned anything new, Nikki? Mm. Oh, well, yes. Some of the hardest lessons yeah. usually learnt via mistake. And, Absolutely. Um, this year we didn't have too, too much loss too many um, casualties during this heat wave but of course uh, two of the plants that we're now worried about they're the rarest plants of course they that are we've got and the way that we burnt them or damaged them window reflection burn it wasn't even the light directly through the window it was a reflection off of a window that reflected back onto the leaves of the plant and so that's a lesson that we've definitely mm. learnt because that's not something that we've taken into account before this happened. Yeah, no, that gives me goosebumps when you tell me things like that. Oh, you know, it's how horrible. How hard can it be? How hard should it be? <laughs> yes. And as you say, some of your rarer, you know, babies. Absolutely. Uh, very you know, hard to replace. Four, four or five years of growing one plant <gasps> and it's all undone by, say, that. two hours yeah. of the, the sun just being in the right place. and. So yeah, what will you do? Get a, a blind I, and monitor? I moved them. So mm. usually we keep our um, our water propagation cuttings near the window, but what we've found this year with the combined heat, the intense sunlight, um, we you know you get a lot of algae buildup mm. in in mm. the propagation. So we've moved, we've just gone and moved everything rather than pulled the blinds over or the shears over this year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 not easy for any of us. <laughs> no. Uh, we have a winner of our competition, Lorraine in Mount Helena. I will give you the answer to that in a moment. Firstly, we're heading to One and Up, Lynette. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Hi. I wanted to ask you a question about a potted uh, Maya lemon tree that I have. Um, I have a constant battle with ants coming up the tree. And they move, I've got mealybug, which I keep getting rid of, but they, the little devils, they keep moving it around the tree and mm. obviously I think they're feeding off it. So I'm just wondering what can I do to get rid of the, well, ants and also the mealybug. Is it a, a pot that you can easily lift, Lynette? When you say lift, uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, can, can you pick it up? If it's not too big, no, what I would no, suggest I is... Wouldn't drenching the pot in a a solution of seaweed and actually soaking the pot so that I'm guessing the ants might have set up a home and nest in the soil of the pot. Okay. And so if yeah. you soak it, you can flush them out. That will be one, one part. Um, and that's the most sort of easiest first step that I would take rather than using... Poisons. 
Okay. Is um, it on a saucer? Is it? No, it's um, actually up on like a little, well, a movable, it was a little, like a little trolley, but the wheels have collapsed, so it's um, stationary now. Okay, so. because it, if, it, if it also is sitting on the ground, then the ants could be in the soil or below pavers or something and coming up through drainage holes. So Actually, it's interesting you should say that because I actually hosed the tree down and they, some of them came out of the cracks. Right, okay. So moving the pot might be a help uh, and and flooding, drenching the pot with something. And and hopefully they're not actually in the pot itself, in which case it'll be easier for you to manage. But keep on to the mealybugs and monitor for the ants. ants. Okay, so the mealybugs are those little things that are white that when you squash they're orange, isn't it? Oh, that's, yeah, scale? Mm. No, it's not scale. They're white. Like, they start very, very tiny. And if you let them grow, they come, well, bigger. And they're white, a little bit. And fluffy? Sorry? And And fluffy? Yes. And when you squash them, it's orange. Okay. Uh, To me, that's scale. Well... Are you able to send us a photo, Lynette? Um, of the actual bug? Yes. Yes, I will. I yes, will. okay. But either way, they're sap-sucking insects. They get into um, spaces. Ants do move them around. They have a relationship with them. Um, <laughs> so if you don't have a lot, one of the things you can do is trim the tree, remove the main part of the infestation. You can get a cotton bud with methylated spirits on it and dab them so that breaks oh, their right. their skeleton exoskeleton oh. uh, okay. that's two things you could do for starters okay right okay now uh, where do I if I take get a picture of these things on the leaves where, what's your address your email address I'll give you back to Bev Lynette and she'll be able to give you those details off air Okay, that's lovely. Okay. All right. right. Good luck. Okay, cheers. (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, hopefully Bev can do that for us. And And interestingly, Ray, I actually do have a container in my study that I'm monitoring at the moment with mealybugs. Oh, interesting. And I got them from Mel, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And there is a wasp in there that has laid eggs in the mealybugs. Oh, I know. Cutting cutting edge news. <laughs> you heard it here first. So they they are uh, under monitoring. Yeah. See oh, what very happens. good. Mm. So right. this is why I talk about the good bugs because there are a lot out there that come in and uh, play a role in yes. integrated pest management, Absolutely. but we don't always see them. Even but, um, little things like uh, ladybugs, those are great for aphids. I know that it's actually a method of pest control, you know, a lot more organic, but um, I can't for the life of me remember the business, but you can actually order um, yeah. tubes of bugs and yeah. I've only seen great results. Bugs for about, bugs. Yeah, but that's the one. But it's biological control, mm. uh, but... It doesn't always work 100%. Yes. And 
it's good to know. So what actually has to happen? You've got to have the bug there before the predators or the parasitoids yes. come in. Okay. And so therefore, sometimes there's a lag time. So you can put the good guys out there, but it's still going to take a while for the population to build up. It's also handy to have bank plants. So okay. plants that are not your most rare possessions, but something like uh, salvias. Okay. My red salvias have become bank plants. Yeah because the aphids will hide in their little tubular flowers. Mm. And so therefore, some ladybirds will also hang out there. Yes. So when I get aphids on my roses, for example, boom, my army's there and it moves Ready in and three days and that's it. There's no aphids yes. left. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Our winner of the Bigger Trees $75 gift voucher is Lorraine from Mount Helena. Oh, you're nice and close to Bigger Trees. That $75 gift voucher will make its way to you this week, Lorraine. And, of course, the question was, finish the song lyric. I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. I was very tempted to sing that. <laughs> okay, we'll do another competition in the next out. No, I won't scare everybody. Okay, we've got a few calls coming in at the moment as well. We received an email from Jeannie Napier. You cheeky lady. She said it's rain, real rain, not corn being eaten on the roof and dribbling down. <laughs> so I thought that's what it was during the night, Jeannie. No, Did you hear it during the night? I heard some something on the oh, roof. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I could hear the drain pipes and I thought, Surely not. Yeah, mm. and a bit of wind. Like I had the, you know, I have a balcony off my bedroom, and I had that door locked but open, if you like, and the the curtains were billowing. Wow! Oh. And I thought, oh, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Yeah, I heard nothing until six o'clock this morning, and then I went. Oh! My goodness, is that rain? Yeah, mm. yeah. It was surprising walking out this morning and the ground was wet. Yeah. yeah I thought the sprinklers had gone on. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think it was rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. And we're heading to Safety Bay. Susan would like to comment on the ants. Hi, Susan. How's it going? Oh, excellent. Good. Excellent. Good. Really uh, loving the, the cool weather and so are my chooks. Oh, yes. good. Yes. Um, but I just wanted to say, um, last year I had such a infestation of um, aphids on my lemon and uh, lime tree, more on the lemon, and they're in pots as well. And um, it was really interesting when I researched what could I do to get rid of it that I found out that um, it was actually the ants that yes. carry the aphids onto the tree and then they secrete a um, uh, some kind of fluid that the ants use as food and take it back to their nest. And I thought, whoa, okay. <laughs> I, I thought aphids flew, so you do learn something new every day. But I found out that apparently uh, clove or cinnamon, I think it's mainly clove though, um, it, you can spread that around. And the ants don't like it, so they won't be bothering your, um, you know, kind of, they won't stay in the area. Oh, that is a very good tip. Well, you think about cloves, they're quite pungent, aren't they? Oh, they are. Yeah. Yes. They are. Mm. But I was going one step further and thinking what I will do this year is um, I will actually soak the cloves in some water and spray it onto the soil and spray it maybe even onto the stem yeah. of the trunk of the tree. 
You are um, very so clever, Susan. To deter them. <laughs> Not really. It's just logical thinking. I mean, well, it's like anything. You just work it through to take, the end, don't take, you? Yeah, take it to the next step. You know, we'd yeah, love to hear back on. clove oil. Yeah. I thought of that because that would actually stay on rubbing that the trunk of the tree. Well, that would wouldn't wash off. Mm. Very, very so clever. And yes, the so, ants do yeah. farm the aphids. The aphids give off honeydew and ants yeah. will actually stroke the aphid oh. and sit there drinking, sucking up yeah. the honeydew. I know that picture's not what you want to see, Ray. No, it's early. On my lemon tree last year, it was just so distracting, so distracting, you know, seeing all of these aphids, and I just, I couldn't get them off. I mean, I tried spraying the water, and of course that doesn't, and then when I found out what it was, Basically, you know, um, the ants bringing these aphids up. I thought, oh, okay, we'll 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 attack that problem, and that's when I found out about the clove. So there you go. I think cinnamon is also a good one as well, but I think clove is just more pungent, as yeah. you said. There you go. Okay, thank you very much. Report back. We're interested. Thank I you. I will. I will. <laughs> but no, I don't have any aphids at the moment. But I tell you what, if they show up again, yeah, um, they're going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get it. Yes. But at least I. The reason why I had to be careful about what I was using and to research it was because the lemon trees are down where the chooks are. Yeah, oh. mm-hmm. and where they where they free range, mm-hmm. so uh, in our in our bottom garden. Yeah, and so yeah, I I just can't spray yeah. anything down there. Exactly. Citrus trees are are so interesting for the pests that they attract. You know, you've got the citrus leaf miner, you've got the gall miner. If you've got I mean, nothing I'm just to do, the miner doesn't hurt the tree, but well, it's it's it just doesn't look attractive. That's all. It kills the leaves. It you know makes the leaves look pretty yucky. But hmm. yeah. All right. Thank you, Susan. You have a great day. And you too. All right. Thank you so much. And okay. Re- Rita of Maida Vale is actually uh, she's phoned in and she's saying boil the cloves and in water and the nutrients will be absorbed and released. Oh, and not to mention. That lovely fragrance yeah. going mm. through your house while it's boiling on the stove. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how lovely. Released into the soil. So that, that, that's nice. So boil the cloves in water and the nutrients will be absorbed and released into the soil quicker. Mm. Okay. Now let's head to Mandra. Maureen, how are you? Oh, hi. Good, thank you. I just feel like moving house at the moment. I've Ooh. got so many problems in my garden. I'm over it, over mm. it. The whole street's got that thrip, um, Queensland thrip and their roses. Roses are really bad. So yes, yeah. yes. Um, but my main thing, um, I know I've always, um, my neighbours keep stopping saying, you've always had the best lawn. What, what are you doing to your lawn? Well, apparently by Google says that, you know, this moth comes down, spies the best lawn, comes down and lays his thing, and I've got thatching. Great big saucer rounds of thatching in my lawn, and uh, I've got the um, 
and Paisois here, and I've spoken to you before, and one of your guys there said it's not really a WA lawn, it's a Queensland lawn, and I really do have problems in clear, hot skies with it. Um, I have to keep going with it, but um, yeah, but it's still being sold in there because I just rang up the people over here. Mm. So they said they send it up north, but um, Lord, I don't know. But my problem is, uh, you know, I've one lady in Queensland that sells it. She said, get a picture and send it to her, which I don't know how to do on my phone anyway. But what I want to know, um, the guy down the road said he could aerate it, but first. I, I've tried putting the soapy water on, left it overnight, left it for 10 minutes, left it overnight with a, with a mat on the top, a bit of hashing on the top. I still can't see anything that's come up. Okay. Um, this lady over there says, well, there are things, other things that can do it. But, you know, my lawn looks exactly like it does on the, um, uh, you know, when you see a picture on Google. So... Um, the thing is, it's very expensive stuff to spray. And she said, let me have a look at it and, and before you start forking out money. But um, what I would like to ask, if you've got any ideas, but also whether I would cut the lawn, mow the lawn, aerate the lawn, and then spray, is that the way I would go? Or Well, whatever the problem is, Maureen, it needs to be identified. Yeah. So yeah. currently... Yeah. We've had about a 40-plus degree days. Yeah. Now, the first thing you look at is water repellency in lawn. You you might do a catch cup test. So you run your sprinklers, you put catch cups out, and you make sure that you've got 10 mils in each of those. So you want to rule out that any of your sprinklers are blocked or, or a plant has grown and you're not getting the spray that you need. So even watering is key. Yeah. If there are areas where it's brown, it could be water repellent. So certainly a wetting agent, a liquid particularly, would be one of the first and easiest things you can do. But I would also be investigating the brown spots. I would yeah. maybe dig down and see if it is water repellent, if if it is too thatchy, then that could be part of the problem. Uh, yes, sending a photo would to someone great. who could mm -hmm. identify. There, there also are fungal diseases that can appear in lawns. Um, but, yeah, the first thing is inspecting your watering, applying a wetting agent. Those 40-degree days are probably gone for now, so there's less stress on your lawn. You could also apply a seaweed product to the patches. Now they won't; they possibly won't regrow in that spot, but you need regrowth in there. Actually, getting someone out to look at all those problems for you that knows what they're doing might be your best bet. And who would do that? One of uh, you're in Mandra, so there will be local lawn people down there. Yeah. Uh, there's a very good. Facebook group called WA Lawn Addicts mm -hmm. and there will be someone in your area that Absolutely. can be recommended. Okay, okay. Because I do, I have to keep up with the weather soil and the watering down the edge. I haven't got a slight slope, very, very slight slope to the road. 
but the um, it's very, very green up near the big bed I've got all across the front of my lawn at the top by the house. So obviously that's getting double water from the bed as well when the sprinklers come on. But I do keep up the rest. I'm always hand watering and that. But it's definitely like saucer size, round, absolutely hay looking hay grass, you know, now. and I've never, ever had that in the 15 years I've been here. It could be a Yeah. It could be, and it it might be you've overloved it, there might be too much water, and if it's thatchy, then that's where your your fungal diseases come in. Uh, I think we'll have to leave it there now. I think yeah. hopefully I've given you enough tips on what you can do, Maureen. Okay, thank you. Thank okay. you. Cheers for that. And we'll return shortly. And you're with Let's Talk Gardening and our guest this morning, Nikki Waters from Gold Leaf Greenhouse. And let's start talking about indoor plants, which are still trending high. Absolutely. Yeah, they haven't lost uh, their momentum and it really kicked off, I even think, before COVID, but COVID was a it was turning point, wasn't yeah, it? It definitely be. before All COVID. around the world. Mm. Yep, it really was. It was definitely just before COVID and um, we saw an uptick of interest in houseplants. And the interesting thing is some of the plants that went for thousands of dollars during COVID, so let's just talk about a basic, very basic now, yeah. uh, variegated Monstera yeah. albo. They were going for thousands. But the interesting thing is, um, you know, years before the big, uptick and years before the Facebook groups and the ability to sell online and connect with people online, um, people really couldn't even move those variegated elbow cuttings or people were selling them for super cheap mm. because they couldn't find mm. the audience or the, yeah, d- the, the market. Demand for them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's insane to, to see how cyclical the prices were. I don't think we'll ever really see them hit those sorts the of COVID levels, yeah. yeah. No. And they sort of now flooded the market, haven't they? The they really have. And, yeah. You know, for so long, people were debating. It was such a hot debate about whether or not they could be replicated in a lab uh, setting. Um, and with a lot of difficulty, we've seen different strains of lab created white variegated monsteras and yellow variegated, but they're still not the kind of true. Um, mm. Well, they haven't been identified as the true albos, but it doesn't matter because how much we've seen them spread throughout people's collections, they were the hottest plant. Yeah, Everyone had to have them, but yeah. they're not a slow grower, so it's no. not as if they weren't. It was inevitable that they were going to flood the market. And now, mm. I mean, you can get full plants for next to nothing. I know, and you should see what Ray did with the cutting I gave her. Oh, what have you seen? No, I haven't. Mm. Oh, I'll show you a picture in the break. It's yes, a, it's absolutely. A, it's a beauty. It is a beauty. It's reached yeah. the roof twice. Was yes. that that large? Uh, you, um, it was a larger leafed cutting. Yes, that, and that's impressive that you were able to get it to root because the larger the leaf, the more difficult. Well, I especially. can tell you, Nikki, it wasn't that big when I gave it to you. Oh, but it, but what she gave now. me back yep. was huge. Oh, yeah. the stem was like the. As round as ten cent piece. Oh, that's mm. exciting! Mm. Yeah, yeah she's, no, a big, she's, she's a good plant, Mama. She's oh, she's I, I lovely. Bet. Oh, I try. I wouldn't go as far as saying that I'm that I'm good. <laughs> uh, yes. Megan in Port Kennedy, Faye's Chook Lady. Yes, Megan, they, yeah. who we've had on the show. Yes, yes. Uses cinnamon and baby powder for ants with great success. 
Also, has Lawn Beetle still working on a solution in mm. her lawn? Lawn Beetle has been bad this year, as yes. well as the army worm. And the, the mole crickets as well. They've been out in forest people's lawns. And yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot going on out mm. there. And definitely it seems to be more active this year or mm. you know, this summer. Yeah. Well, the season hasn't been able to decide what it wants to be. And you can actually see that coming out in the plants, you know, randomly throwing blooms. But then the next day, because of a cold and rainy morning, the the blooms just died off. Yeah. I have a crab apple that's trying to flower at the moment. (laughs) Oh, how sweet. Crab (laughs) apple will never be on my list of great plants to have in the garden because I planted one maybe 10 years ago, mm. thinking, oh, it will grow up and shade Beautiful the wall of the house and it didn't. Uh, yeah, screen the mm. air conditioning unit. It is still the height that I put it in. Oh. Yeah, no, I think they're not. Some people have enormous success. I think it depends on the variety as well mm. of, of crab apple. But and also the areas, yeah. the, the actual quality of the soil and yeah. everything in so many areas, especially close you get to the beach it doesn't matter how much you condition or try and improve your soil within two three months it degrades as again yeah 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 and you guys you're very close to the beach yes aren't you <laughs> yes okay so we've had this horrific heat wave mm. we will be going to a break in the moment but let's start what do we what should we have done what do we need to watch out what for now like a lot of us may have overwatered our mm. plants and that that was another lesson that we we kind of learn every year so Something. i don't know yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if i can say i've truly learned the lesson then if i'm experiencing it every year but uh, one one issue that we have seen um, the overcompensation of watering due to the the hotter weather. I've and, done it. Yep. Yeah, and so yeah. you see your mm. leaves, the edges of your leaves, kind of wilting inwards and that kind of thing. And so instinctively, you give it more water. And mm. say, for example, you usually water once a week during the warmer months, but then during this heat wave, you've watered multiple times during the week. Especially yeah. if your plants are not accustomed to this, yeah. that's when you're going to start seeing signs of root, root rot. rot. And which is essentially from overwatering, and then in turn that can create fungal or bacterial problems in the in the soil. And so, one thing that is definitely important whilst while it's hotter is keeping your plants hydrated, but not overwatering. And so, another way to do that is through misting. I know a lot of people have things like humidifiers, but um, if you don't, misting helps. And the difference between misting and spraying. Yeah. It's big difference. Misting, you want to mist over the top of the leaves, kind of a, a small distance away. Say, I'm not good with distance. Let's say 15 centimetres. I'll guess 15 centimetres, but yeah, about... That's about 30. Let's Nikki. go 30 then. <laughs> <laughs> Never been a strong point. Um, but yeah, about 30 centimetres away. And you want to mist over the leaves yeah. so that you don't have a lot of water sitting on the leaves. Because once again, when it's hot, as well, that kind of water, it has like a steaming effect when it sits on the leaves for too long whilst the temperatures are that high. Mm. So so don't do that. So mist over the top, not directly onto the, the leaves. leaves. So they just have that kiss. Yes, yes. And it also like helps talk. build humidity in the in the area that you're in. And so my next question, and I'll get you to answer this after the break, Not is if you have or you identify now that, oh, yeah, I've overwatered this plant, what can you do about it? I'll of get course. you to answer that on the other side. Curtain Radio. 
Special guest in the studio with us this morning, Nikki Waters from Gold Leaf Greenhouse. We're talking about what you can do if you feel that you've overwatered uh, your indoor patio plant. Mm. So what we would recommend, if you can see that... You'll see the signs in the leaves first, um, and it usually shows as kind of a browning, but the leaf feels damp, as in it... Gets a little bit thin or tissue papery. Yes, it does. And so one of the things that we would recommend straight away, repot. If you see this happening, don't wait it out, don't... Do the whole thing where it's, oh, you know, the, the soil will dry on its own. Yeah, yes, get it, it will. out of there. Exactly. Okay. You, don't want to re- you don't want to regret not having done something yeah. about your plant yeah. sooner. Yeah. So get it out of there. Um, if you can see that there's some kind of fungal or bacterial uh, infection, hydrogen peroxide, uh, hydrogen peroxide wash mm. will definitely help. And then run it under water again just to clean off anything else. Um so you mean like a wash the roots? Yes. So you abs- get it out of the overwatered mix that it's been sitting in. Yes, and wash give it a bit of a with, wash. Um, a diluted uh, amount hydrogen of hydrogen peroxide. Mix. So what ratio would that be? Um, it's a little bit difficult to say because I Depending know some on people. What you use, yeah. yeah, some people get their hydrogen peroxide just from the chemist, and I think that's about three percent. And then mm. others use the uh, the GT, uh, which would have its instructions anyway. Yes, so say, say the one over the at ke- the chemist, three yes. percent, which is go very diluted. Always go more diluted if you're not mm. confident mm. in knowing mm. what you're using. Mm. Can't hurt mm. going so, so a teaspoon in a liter. Yes, yeah, yep. about about there, and just actually give it a wash. You can even give it a soak for say about yeah. ten fifteen minutes. Yeah. Just really really light care, and then put it back into a well draining aerated soil or medium. Mm. And we like to be a little bit light on watering mm. when we water our plants in. I don't know if there's any uh, substance to this, but I find that when we water in less, it doesn't stress the plants out as much in the way that they're aware they've just been completely transplanted, roots fiddled with, all of Mm, that. mm. So, yeah, less watering when watering in, even though it sounds very counterintuitive because Mm. one of my favourite things, and I will always live by this, you can always water again, but it is so difficult to undo over watering. Mm. It is Mm. very difficult. Mm. So what mix when you say an open mix? Aerated type mix, yes. Can you give us a recipe? So we don't use uh, soil in our potting mixes, especially because we do indoor landscaping and styling. Um, A lot of people don't like those little gnats. Yeah, for Mm. sure. And so we found by eliminating soil out of our mix, we don't have that problem with gnats. They don't have anywhere really to lay their eggs. They don't like the mix that we're using. Um, We use heavy on the orchid mix. We use both a, a chunky one and a finer one. Perlite. Charcoal, which is great for filtering, and it's a nat- natural antibacterial component in there. Uh, cocoa core. Mm-hmm. And then we also use things like worm castings, mm. um, some s- type of slow-release fertilizer. Mm. But when people th- see that perlite is supposed to go into the mix, it's really easy to think, you know, not too much, not too much. I want more potting mix or soil or whatever it is that they're using. A lot of perlite goes a long way. 
Okay. Yeah, because it will give you that extra ability. If you've done something wrong somewhere in the root system, it'll give you that extra ability or that extra amount of time to fix it. Yeah. And we've also found that adding um, lecca or like stones to um, the mix, to our yeah. mix is great for things like philodendron. They they appreciate the slightly, I think it's a slightly higher acidity that it adds into mm. the soil mm. and the philodendron. They appreciate that. <laughs> well, lecca is light expanded clay aggregate and mm. it's pH neutral. But it does provide for um, bacteria yes. to grow, like good bacteria, yes. because of the, the porous air spaces. So it's clay that has been kiln-fired till it puffs up like popcorn. Yes. Mm. Okay. Carry on, Nikki. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, no, um, no, and what I was going to ask is what does in your experience inconsistent watering mean i get variations on that people talk about oh you've got root rot through inconsistent watering yes. how do you water consistently if you, if a plant doesn't really need it and especially if you're not a schedule water yeah. kind of thing mm. um we do generally go off of the weight so you do you schedule water no we don't we have way too many plants to do yeah. a scheduled water and whilst it makes it more difficult to keep track of all the individual plants with all their different needs mm. um it's this year we thought that we could go off of the lightness of the pots mm. like we usually do um, but it hasn't seemed to give us any information. Sorry? Oh. So inconsistent watering. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and so we we are definitely guilty of inconsistently watering, yeah. and so we're always having to repot to, Does to it, get that it, soil back it, up to grade. Is grain. it more reliant on what? Your, the medium is that there's because it could be sitting in spag moss or it could be sitting in you know yes. what you've just described and does that factor yes and the variation is also what plant it is because mm. they have different requirements mm. yes and especially you know you, your plants that have corms or bulbs at different mm. times of the year they once again have the the different requirements and so being inconsistent it's more i i think personally it's more leaving it for longer periods of time, actually slight neglect where you've forgotten to water for a while, but then suddenly out of nowhere... You water it a lot. Yes, and, and that's that's when you can create that fungal and that bacterial issue in there as so well. So letting it dry out too much. Too much, too infrequently. and okay. Yes, but realistically, we're not all going to be amazing. The intention is there to... Well, I think the intention of you know, not watering is trying not to water your plant too yes. much. And then I've had someone say to me, oh, you know, it's, in, it's inconsistent. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to do the right thing <laughs> by this plant. All right, it is nine o'clock. Uh, news time. We'll be back shortly. 21.8 right now and the humidity is sitting at 90%. Possible shower today, partly cloudy with a maximum of 31. The minimum overnight will drop down to 19 with a maximum tomorrow of 30. There may be a shower or two. And looking ahead to Monday, the minimum overnight will be 20. The clouds will be clearing and a maximum of 32. So I think we've got some nice temps right through to the end of the week. 
uh, Friday at the moment. They're forecasting 37, but we can handle one hot day. Mm, yes. <laughs> not consecutive, thank you. Not no, what we've just been through. Especially not weeks of it. Oh, mm. yeah, I know. And when we had those cooler days during the week, inverted commas, cooler days during the week, <laughs> I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. It's mm. like that was like <laughs> how it impacted me physically. You oh. know, it's like mammoth to get through that. And then you think, oh, thank you. It's the, I could feel some cooler air and you just I just wanted to sit and breathe and not move yeah, yeah. we were getting stir crazy because it's yeah. too hot to actually be outside doing things doing with anything at this time when it's this hot you want to stay away from really repotting too much or fertilizing or doing too much of that yeah. stuff with you're your in hands. a you're in a vacuum aren't you, you yeah. can't do anything you're stuck yeah, yeah. yeah. do you find like now with that little change that has just occurred, like, are you ready to go? I've been itching oh, I'm to so ready. cut back and feed and yes, get ahead. I'm so ready. And um, my yeah. partner, uh, Reese, he's really gotten interested in a few of the more technical plant growing side of things. He's just gone and um, we've just received a bunch of, they're like mini aquarium bubblers, but we're starting to use those in our water propagations. Mm-hmm. Within two days, we've seen we've seen roots roots pop, and we've even thrown um, thrown them in some of the jars with our rotting stems that we thought were rotting. No, there's no oxygen rotting anymore. Yeah. Puts oxygen in the water. Yeah. What is it? They're just little um, little aquarium pump type things. And Aerators? We, yes, and the, yep. there's a little air stone on the end. Um, you just recharge them and we've just popped them into the water jars and it's it's insane. A game changer. Oh, absolutely. So I'm so excited. I have. Yeah. Oh, my Not word. for cuttings, but for, for growing for fish. Oxygenating <laughs> the, yes. Oh, for oxygenating the soil. Yeah. yeah. You and can get battery air pumps um, so that they'll run on power. And then if the power goes out, there's a battery backup. How big mm. are they? They're, you can get them a in range all of, different sizes. Yeah. And you run it 24-7? Um, at, at the moment, we're running it, I think, about 20, 20 hour, between 18 and 20 hours a day. Just because we're still in that testing phase, we're probably going to either reduce it or create some kind of actual box system where we can put them in. But the results have been fantastic. I am blown away by how quickly... We've we've seen something happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, mm. yep. And I, what I believe as well is it'll actually help deter pests too. When the the, the roots have that kind of health, it will. Well, it makes up. sense, doesn't yeah. it? Sets because we know that oxygen is one of the things that that plants need, particularly yes. around their root zone. So, with your uh, hydrogen pero- mm-hmm. peroxide in the water, well. H2O, that's going to... The way it breaks that, down, yes. Yeah. And we even add it to the soil, every, uh, weakened hydrogen peroxide mix to the soil every now and then because we find the same results in soil, adding that extra oxygen in. Mm. Okay. Oh, just just food for thought. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, my little antennas are <laughs> twitching away. Okay, we are obviously free for all gardening calls, 94841927. Uh, what's your go-to then for treating indoor plant 
issues like mealybug and spider mite and things like this that. This might be a little bit controversial. I know some people don't believe in using it, but only indoors and only in our indoor grow spaces yeah. for things that will not be flowering. Not being uh, a tr- a uh, don't have a bee on them. Yes, yes. controlled environment. Because that's a yeah. very controlled environment. We're very, very serious about protecting the bees. We love bees. Um, but we use systemic. Yeah. And systemic is something that you can kind of add. It, uh, it gets sucked up through uh, the roots, I believe. And mm. so anything that feeds or tries to draw nutrients from the plants, either in the roots, it can actually also affect um, earthworms in the soil. So if you have worms in your soil, please don't use it. Mm. Um, But it gets drawn up through the roots and will essentially, anything that tries to take the nutrients from it, it will So prevention is better than cure in this instance. And we've also uh, introduced fogging. So we've gotten a fogger and we use perithrum um, in there. Uh, and it seems to have helped because we're not spraying directly onto the leaves. We're not risking any burn to the leaves by using, you know, a rose spray, a mancozeb, anything like that. Um, and it seems to be working so far. So we just every, I think we're about every four months we'll be doing it. So what's that look like, Fogger? I'm, I'm not too sure what... Is it a unit? Yeah, it's like a backpack unit. It almost oh. looks like a weed spray Backpack. Oh, right. Yeah, but fantastic. As long as you don't point it directly, directly at leaves because no, it will blow the leaves off. No, but you just have it in the air around yeah. and every quarter you yep. might do that. Yeah. So you you wear that and you spray is it uh, a pump? It's an automatic um, It's an automatic sprayer. Battery? Yes, battery. Really? It's very battery powered. I know Bunnings does have them. But um, you buy your own ammo that goes in there, yes. like you say, like a perithrum. Yeah, sorts. it's usually, okay. I think, the most common thing used in those for um, pest fogging is perithrum. Okay, pest fogging. Okay. Mm. We'll, that's, yeah. And that's just for our bigger kind of yeah. grow areas. Yeah. That it's too much to try and get to each plant. You know, once you deal with one plant, it yeah. spreads to the next one yeah. and the next one. Yeah, no, mm. I hear you. All right, we're heading to Queen's Park. Karen, how are you going? Uh, good morning. I've survived. Uh, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. And actually, most of my plants, my pot plants, have too. I have got problems now with my uh, elephant ears. Oh, no. They are so beautiful. They are thriving. They're in a in a pot, and they're in the shade underneath uh, the pergola. Um, I've watered them regularly. I didn't overwater them, and they look beautiful. They're big and 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 thriving. And I have noticed yesterday that all the leaves are getting a slight yellow rim. It lo- uh, it looks like if if they're all having a halo, all of the, all the leaves, not only one, it's all of them. I'm and just afraid that it's going to die now. I don't know what to do. Oh no! And is the um is the yellow is it? Is it around the edges or is it coming through the middle as well? No, it's, it's at the moment it's just around the edges, but on all of the leaves. Okay. And I mean, a few leaves have dried out. I've, I've always cut them away. But the, it has got a hell of a lot of leaves, but all, all, the, all the leaves are now getting a yellow rim like a halo. And I'm not happy with it. Oh, no. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's such a beautiful plant. And I, I gave them some a bit of sea salt yesterday, but I don't know whether it will help. Yeah. Well, how, what's the condition of the potting mix, Karen? Mm. How long have they good. been it, in the pots? Yeah, well, they have been in the pot for a while, but I've, I keep pot, I can't lift it out; it's too big. Yes. I, I keep topping it up with 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 some good potting mix, but I I really don't know. 
I talk to them, but I don't think that alone will help. <laughs> um, so I know that you said uh, it's not overwatering. It's a little bit difficult to say without saying it, but it does sound like at some point it's gotten too much water. Um, uh-huh. Even if it was just for a day or two, it may have been too much, which could have created fungus or bacteria in the soil, um, which could be what you're seeing through the leaves, especially if it's all the leaves, because I think with overwatering, you'll you'll tend to see it on the bottom leaves a lot more and a lot quicker before you start seeing it everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Have you have you tried or do you use anything currently to uh, to treat fungus? No, not really. I haven't had any problems. So yes, far. it's I it's really this weather. I'd also be worried that if it's been in the pot for quite a while, Karen, that the roots going down through the bottom mm. could end up blocking the drainage holes and yes, then you've yeah. got water staying in mm. the pot that can't get away. Okay, so it, it could be the watering. So shall, shall I let it dry out? I mean, I was afraid that I don't water it enough because it was so terribly hot. Yes. So um, I watered it every second day, but I don't think I watered it all that much. And I, t- I, and I put my hand down the soil. It doesn't really feel all that wet yeah. maybe it's further down i couldn't get right down to it so um so it might be a watering thing so what was i should i just let it dry out for, for a couple of days it wouldn't hurt to let to let it try and dry out the only issue is if it's created that kind of bad fungus in the soil it will need to be dealt with um things like uh mancozeb mm-hmm. Um, you can get that from your local garden shop or bunnies. Yeah, yeah, I've got something like that at home. Yes, mm-hmm. and look, it does. It won't hurt to try that. Okay. Um, but it does. It does sound like, like I said, just even if it was just for a single day, it sat in too much water while it was hot. You know, that could have even done it. It wouldn't be a spider mite or anything. No, it, you'd see spider mite coming through the entire leaf first okay. and not so much On just... The edging. Yeah. yeah. I'd also be concerned that at some point it will need to go into a bigger a pot, pot or into the ground, Karen. Yeah, it is already a huge pot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But okay, if it's run out of food have, and if it's been in there for a long time, uh, it'll it'll go backwards, not forwards. Yes. Yeah, but is it a good time to repot it now? While it's a little bit cooler, you might want to take advantage of this cooler weather. Try not to water in too, too much. Otherwise, you'll just create the the same um, issue again. But it... Because it sounds like you love this plant so much, it's oh, probably... I love it. It's so beautiful. I'm so proud of it. Yes, and, and really it might not even hurt as much as it will hurt. It might not. <laughs> it, you might benefit from actually taking some of those leaves off and giving it that full chance to to, to reinvigorate. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks, Thank you so very much for your help. Thank All you. Right. Have a nice day. Keep you cool too. if you can. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. And we're heading down to Port Kennedy. We're talking about burnt tree ferns. You wouldn't be alone, Ruth. How are you? Hi. Yeah, good, thanks. We're actually in uh, Midland at the moment and it's pouring down with rain. Really? I hope hope you can hear me. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, always rains in Mundaring, but, yeah, it was raining when we came down. Um, My tree phone is in a pot. Um, It did get a little bit of uh, full hot sun in the afternoon, 
but just for a, for a, a short while. The leaves burnt. Um, we were away. We came back for a week. I pushed it further underneath the uh, the enormous bottle brush tree that we had have. Sorry, um, and it. Do I cut back the burnt leaves, or what do I do? Yes, yes, it will regrow. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll. It's got a new big shoot on it too. Yes, yes. To tidy it up, you would cut yes. it back. Um, right. And also it would allow, um, especially you said that there was new growth, if you cut that dead growth off, it'll yes. allow the tree fern to put more energy into pushing that yep. new growth out rather than trying to heal those bits that will never, never. really heal or look yeah. the same. Mm. Right. And when would be a good time to, I was thinking about putting it in the ground because it's in a pot, um, when would be a good time to put it in the ground? I would dig a big hole prepare it very well with organic matter and I yeah. would get it in there now. Mm. They will they will thrive with the heat and with a good oh. source of food. Right, okay. And and what sort of food? The chicken pellet things? Uh that yeah, a combination. You can just well, certainly put that around the top because that'll break down as yep. it gets watered. Um, a mix that's Clay and compost. Some of our own compost. Yes. Okay. Is that, is that all right? Yes. And a, yeah. a kale and clay added to the soil will help hold the moisture and nutrients there. And dig a very big hole for it, Ruth, because you get right. one chance at this. And then a yeah. really good thick layer of mulch and also some controlled release fertilizer in the planting hole. And in give it plenty hole. of water and seaweed and it will go gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Right, good, good. And um, just one other question. Can I, we've got a, a little, it's a, a dwarf lemon tree. I can't remember what variety. Not doing too well where it is. We've, we've actually got it in a raised garden bed. Why I did that, I don't know. Um, can I take it out and, re, and, and pot it now? Yes, sure. And they, yeah. they sometimes do very well in pots. They right, can do yeah, very well in pots because you can give them everything that they need. So a citrus uh, planting mix. Would be oh okay, good. and can I get that from Bunnings? Or? Yes, you can. Or you're not meant to say. Okay. Yeah, no, you can, and right. any good garden centre. Right. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. You're I'm welcome, Ruth. That. Thanks, Ruth. And I'll do it as soon as I get home today. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Thank Bye. You. Thank you very much, ladies. See you later. Bye. Bye. Uh, you've got tree ferns, haven't you? I have. How have they yes. Been? Uh, well, th- I've got a few different types. I've got. One, Cyathea uh, brownii, I think it is, that goes gangbusters in full sun. Oh. It just powers away. Uh, others need more shade. So I've got them under bottle brushes mm. and they're doing very well. And I've got one that's more probably close to two and a half metres tall mm. and that browns off a little bit, but it's got shade, dappled shade from really tall palms next to a locust. And you know, it just makes up beautiful part of the landscape. Mm, beautiful. Oh, I love them. That'd but be, they, oh, yeah. yeah. They I've need some water to get spot. established. But mm. um, yeah, finding that location. So they're a great umbrella plant. One of the favourite ones I've got at the moment. Its leaves are this big. So 
a metre and a half long. Oh, yes. And wide. Oh, beautiful. And, yeah, very robust. Yes. Um, yeah, someone has phoned in and said, oh, actually, it might be from uh, Bev herself. Uh, my tree ferns have been under beach umbrellas mm. and some fronds are still dry and shriveled, yeah. even with that protection. Yeah. Well, 40-something degrees, yeah, I know. there's not, yes, it's a, lot. not mm. a lot of tree ferns will cope with that. That's why as part of a, a microclimate, having that canopy. So mm. if, if you've got gum trees, mm. tree ferns are wonderful underneath because they will grow up tall and they benefit, well, the tree ferns benefit from the canopy. canopy. Absolutely. Of the gum trees. Our, um, we have some neighbours down our road and their tree ferns started going downhill, but they've got individual umbrellas <laughs> built for them Do and you they're live thriving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <mind> you, actually. <laughs> okay, we'll be back shortly. Curtain Radio. And it's 24 minutes after nine. Our special guest in the studio from Goldleaf Greenhouse is Nikki Waters. 10 a.m., Jim Crinan will join you with the classic 70s. Okay, we're heading to Gosnells. Hi, Les, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you, and I would love the program. Oh, uh, thank you, Les. Now, nah, uh, I've prepared a garden bed over the last five years. I've put benadite in it. I've put a heap of different stuff in. I've grown beautiful vegetables. Then I find out that we're restricted by usage of water, right? Mm, yes. Now, consequently, what happened, a friend of mine gave me a pony plant, pony tail. Yes. And I put that in the garden. It, get, it gets watered three times a week, and it's just gone gangbuster. Yep. My question is this. I have at the moment underneath my bedroom window facing west, I've got uh, six cylindrical, uh, what do you call them? I think they're called a tree guard. They're actually concrete rings. Mm. And I've got gerbers in there. Now, with that heat the last couple of weeks, they've all just, you know, finished. Mm. My question is this. Can I group plant ponytails well, within, within could, a metre of one another? You could. Uh, when they get really, really large in about 40 years' time, they yeah, well, will... <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you can. You can. Yeah, I, they're not fast-growing. They will even grow without water and they look fantastic mm. even if you don't water them in full sun. Like they're just amazing because that bulb at the base stores their water. Yeah, they're, they're like a bio tree. Yes, they're, they're a yeah. great uh, xeriscaping plant. Well, that's what I'm after. Mm -hmm. As I said, I get reticulation here three days a week and when I was doing... My watering, it was up to 200 litres a day just to grow vegetables. Yes. And I thought, no, that's too much. But, uh, yeah, now, uh, well, the ground, I've prepared the ground. I dug it out nearly 18 inches deep, and I put benadite in there. I put all different types of, what do you call it, something gold from gingin, oh, gingin gold, blended it all in with a cement mixer, 
So the groundwork's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'll, I'll go out and I'll buy another six small ponytails. Yes. Now, do I have to mulch that front garden? For your ponytails? Yeah. You don't know. You, you, no. <laughs> they will grow in. <laughs> they will grow in nothing. But, yes, uh, improving it with some sort of pre-mixed soil improver, bit of clay and compost will help them. But that's, really, that's already, that's already been done, love. That's yeah. already been done. All right, you just uh, go for it. Just plant away. And is there any other succulents that I can grow underneath using oh. the same? Yes, and um, there there would be a lot of succulents. Spoilt for choice, really. Yes. Yeah. Whatever, well, and you know, some look really fantastic in the wintertime. Mm. Uh, yeah. you've, you've got aloes and aeoniums. You've got, oh, you really are spoilt for choice. Right. And yeah. the nice thing it's is they won't actually going. compete with the ponytail as well. They'll mm. grow quite shallow mm. roots, mm. so you don't have to worry about uh, them obstructing one another's growth. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that's what I'm looking at is that the the plant that I transplanted in there two years ago, that's just, oh, no line. It's just skyrocketed. And my sister in Bunbury, she turned around and said, see that down there, Les? And her ponytail's got five heads on it. Oh, wow. Well, I tell you what, Les, there's a few events coming up. There's a plant sale on this weekend. There is. There's Kalamunda Garden Festival next next weekend. weekend. Mm. There's the... Uh, Perth Garden, Garden Festival. Festival coming up, and then there's a Gidjiganup Small Farm Field Day. So mm. you could get out to every one of those events and get something yeah, well, special. We have to move I'll, on, Les. Have, Thank I'll you so much. But look, I appreciate the, the uh, feedback. Thank You're you. Good on you. You're welcome, Les. Bye. Bye. And Katie of Midland phoned in and she said she's measured 8.1 mils of rain this morning. Oh. Wowee. And thunderstorm going through through as well. Lucky ducks is all I can say. <laughs> oh, my word. Never really thought we'd be rejoicing <laughs> over thunderstorms <laughs> yeah. and, and rain. I have mixed emotions yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> my friend's daughter's getting married in her garden, oh, no. so... Yeah. I just want the clouds to part and the I know, I know yeah, just well. for a little bit. I know sun to well. come out this afternoon. Mm, okay, everyone. Yes. <laughs> we all have agendas. Yes, I yeah. know. Do you have a favourite indoor variety? What are your faves? Um, my favourite type mm-hmm. of indoor yeah. is one that I struggled with for so many years. I picked it up, dropped it so many times because just disheartened at how many <laughs> I've killed. But it would be the alocasia variety. Okay. Um, they yeah they are bulb type that the ones that die yes. down mm. yes and um but they can be incredibly difficult we mm. after five years we had some we have some great customers who are just so clever but they have passed on the information of the secret of growing ah, allocations here we go and that secret is and the secret is no whole pots. As counterintuitive as it sounds, as much as every single one of us indoor plant lovers has been drained into us, must have drainage. drainage, drainage, drainage holes, all of this, and we all make the mistakes in the beginning, but we've really found with allocations the no whole pots. So we've just been using um, soup takeaway containers, the clear mm-hmm. ones, and 
they're a lot cheaper. Mm. It just just so happens that they're a lot cheaper. Hang on, how, how, what size are we talking about? Because oh, oh, you're, you're talking about baby starters. Again, like I'm going to say 32 ounces. Mm-hmm. Smaller than an ice cream container. Yes, okay. yes. And so, so they're, they're small plants. Yes, and I'm I'm looking for larger no hole pots. At so the they don't. So no drainage. Yes, no drainage. So we how much the water then if there's no drainage? Um, how often? So we like to keep the pots. Moist? Slightly heavy, yes, yeah. and always slightly wet. Yeah, and um, we never like to water all the way through. Not we prefer not to in these no hole pots. Yeah, um, but it's since really you've been doing it, that, it's made the difference. We haven't lost a single alocasia since. But they go to sleep in winter, don't they? They do. We're lucky enough that with some of our grow areas, they don't like to go to sleep. Sorry, they don't go to sleep, or we'll bring them mm-hmm. inside so that we get growth throughout. Because sometimes they go to sleep and they don't wake up. Yes, they don't wake up (laughs) or you're left with millions of pots of soil around Mm. and you're holding on to them, watering them through summer. Hoping something will happen. Yes, and you don't Mm. know when to throw them away, (laughs) when you're being delusional. (laughs) It's so tricky. Oh, my goodness. Now, Mary of Banjup phoned in and she said she's not sure about ponytails being slow growing. Her ponytail is 12 years old and is two metres in diameter. Uh, her husband thinks it will tip the bobcat when they dig it out. Oh, my goodness, Mary, that is amazing. Two mm. two metres wide. That's six feet. Wow. Mm. Is that is that's the actual base of it, the bulb? No way. Come on. That would be incredible <laughs> to see. Uh, um, and Bev is saying yes. Oh, Wow. Right. Okay. Good well, grief. What do you? What's well, in the I, soil? Yeah. I've got one that I've got a couple that's twenty years old, and you know they're fifty centimeters. If that. Oh. Okay. Radio. Now we're heading to Gigi. We've got a question for Nikki. Hi. Hi, Phil. Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Thanks, ladies. Um, thanks for your program. Can you turn your radio off, Phil, before you go any further? Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. No worries. Got it. Got it. Sorry about that. Right. Um, just. Uh, I was. Just heard um, your guest talking about the alocasia. I've got a flying squid. Mm, yeah. Yes, and, beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's not looking too beautiful, <laughs> unfortunately. And the other one I've got is a, um, a Dioscoria. Um, I think it's an elephant. elephant yeah, yeah, yeah. And which is doing quite good. It's, thrown, it's got plenty of, um, thrown plenty of growth. Just um, I'm thinking the alocasia, I've probably overwatered it. It's... Yeah. Um, it's still alive, but I just I was just interested in your thoughts so that you were just saying that um, a holeless pot, which I think I should do, maybe. Honestly, I cannot recommend it more. If if you are like so many of our, our customers who have issues with allocations, which I, I barely know anyone who hasn't had an hasn't issue had with, an, with an allocation, no, no. especially yeah. the more special or rare allocations you get. Um, but I couldn't recommend it more. Honestly, it 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 must be something to do with the simulation of the environment that these these plants grow and in you know optimally in the in the wild. So and, they're more in bog conditions. Yes, aren't they? yeah, marshy type mm. bog mm. conditions with really really heavy heavy kind of um, not potting mix, but you know a heavy base, and so it's. It was interesting to us and it oh, it was just very odd and I was very sceptical about doing it. But since we have seen the results, I could not sing the praises of this technique more. Amazing. 
Yeah. And would you, um, the potty mix, would it be similar to you were talking about earlier um, about the orchid mix? And so just a, a nice open mixed with some perlite mixed in. That's what we use and we have had no issues with it. We know that some people like to add, um, for those kind of no-hole mixes, they like to add a little bit more um, either peat or a cocoa core just for a little bit more moisture retention. But a a normal aeroid um, chunky potting mix will absolutely work in those no-hole pots as well. Sure. Okay. And so the alocasia, I've just got it. Look, it's just in the living room yep. and it is getting the air conditioning. Um, oh, Phil. Okay. Can you help him, Nikki? Oh, is there somewhere you could put it with no air con, possibly? Look, I have, well, I've put it in the bathroom and yep. uh, so I've tried that. The, um, the diascoria I've left with the air conditioning and that doesn't seem to, that's not worried at all by the, um, air conditioning it seems uh, if it's not showing so, okay. any signs of stress, stress then no need to move that one but very very good decision to move the uh, the allocation to okay. the bathroom that aircon or even just the the draft that's created from the extra cold air yeah that can be a real killer and can really damage variegation or you know your sensitive flying squid tentacle leaves sure Okay. Oh, well, thanks very much. It's a really good program. You do a great job, ladies. Thank you very oh, much. Thanks, thanks, Phil. thanks Phil. Good luck with your allocation. Yeah. <laughs> I can okay. see all our Bye. listeners running around their houses right now, moving <laughs> moving everything into the bathroom. Well, just I picture do that. it. And you know, I bring things out. This is so how tragic I am. I actually carry things around at night and replace them in the bathroom, and then I put them out again. Da-da. I don't think but, that's tragic. I think that's called love. Oh yeah. my lord! Um, but. I do have some plants in my aircon. Yep, that, you know some will absolutely take it, and I certainly you know, watch I've them. been to mm. clients' houses. Will look after their plants, mm. do maintenance on their plants, and because we do indoor plant installs, we've actually had to take into consideration the fact that a lot of public places, mm. commercial spaces, are air conditioned. Yeah, and twenty four seven. Here's my partner, my dogs, and I during winter, where nobody's allowed to turn that dang heater, heater on. on. Don't you touch that button because it will dry out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so we suffer in winter, but the things we do for her plants. Yeah. 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 Now, I need to ask you, so you you were talking about alocasias. Mm. What about the colocasias? Same thing, apparently. Really? Uh, so we, we basically elephant's ears is what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah um, we... We don't have too many colocations because that's another type that we've really, really struggled with, even just the basic black magic. But when you think about the, those black magic colocations, generally found in the um, that pond-type plant yeah. area when yeah. you go to any garden centre. Yeah. So it really does just make sense that they would like those kind of marshy, boggy-type roots or a potting mix well it's funny you should say that because mm. i've got this picture in my head right now about the types that i've got sitting in a big tub of water mm. uh in a fish pond in a frog pond yep. yeah some of them just love it don't they yeah and of course it always it always makes sense to try and emulate those natural conditions i mean we can't create you know a peruvian rainforest but yeah. we can try oh, oh yes trying. you can watch me <laughs> just you watch me yeah <laughs> so um shade houses and glass houses mm. what do you use them for why what's their importance benefit for listeners and can they create 
something improvised? Can they make something little? Oh, I love to improvise. I love to hack. Just do things on a bit of a budget, especially because this business wasn't intended to actually be a business. It was supposed to be a hobby. Hobby. So everything we started, we started on the cheap. Mm. The next project we're just about to do, because I've got a greenhouse, I've got a lean-to, I've got a little portico, um, but the next thing that I want to do is a little shade house using a chicken coop. So use mm. the chicken coop as a frame or a little wire yep. av- aviary. Avery. Yeah. Yep, thank you. <laughs> and yeah. you can use that as the frame. Um, there's a place called uh, Argo Sea. Yes. And they actually sell the offcuts of yes. some of their... Um, fabric yeah, linings fabrics. that go inside. And we've got this fantastic one i'm not sure what it's called exactly but it's a thermal one that keeps the warmth in when you want it to stay in Mm. or it keeps the cold out during winter so it's an insulator type thing Mm. Mm. but since we've put it on we've got two layers of shade cloth on our greenhouse still we're getting two layers yes and we were still getting burn and Mm. we found that two layers actually trapped too much heat during summer Mm. apparently there's also something to the color of shade cloth you use but once we put this thermal stuff over the top of it, not a single problem, not a single burn, nothing. And so that's what we'll be replicating with the the chicken coop. Wow. But you can always find them um, being essentially given away on Marketplace because it's the whole free you remove deal. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and so yeah. that's a nice yeah. and cheap way of doing it. Yeah. We've um we've also seen some people you know you've seen the uh, the IKEA Millsbo yep. cabinets be redone for growing indoors, but they don't just have to be those ones. You can turn almost yeah. any kind of glass cabinet. You just need to seal it properly, do all the the mm. proper stuff, the same stuff that you'd have to do with the IKEA one, and you can turn mm. almost anything into a glass house. Yep. You can I use just set up a Millsbo this week. Oh, how yeah. exciting! How's it going? Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that after yeah. the break, Ray. Yeah. Okay, we shall return. Curtain radio. And in a moment, we shall give away another gift voucher. This one will be from Green Life Soil Co. So hang hang out for that. Uh, Kay of Thornley, could Nikki please explain the difference between perlite and vermiculite? Hmm. Okay, so that's an interesting one. If I yeah. if I'm completely honest, I have used vermiculite in some of our mixes. I don't know what the actual purpose too much of the vermiculite is, but I, what I do know is that. Um, the two, either uh, in a pair or just on their own, are actually great um, used for propagation, mm. I do believe. Mm. Um, we we use the perlite in our soils and potting mix essentially to create that aeration. Mm. Um, also so that the potting mix itself doesn't retain too much moisture, which once again, it's just that common theme of going back to preventing the bacterial or fungal stuff uh, in the potting mix. But I believe vermiculite also has some um, properties. It where, does. Yeah. I like it because it's got sparkly things in there. <laughs> in honesty, I, I can't lie. That's exactly Shush what was in my mix. <laughs> You're funny. I am. It's pretty. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes yeah. the mix look more Blingy. fancy. Yeah. <laughs> We're going next level here, folks. We sure are. <laughs> How to bring bling to your plant. Yes. All right. And um, Rob of Dianella wants some tips for growing tomatoes best type in Perth or something, full Perth conditions, I guess. 
Tips for growing tomatoes. Um, wants to know about shade and sun. Mm, Mm. I know that tomatoes can attract quite a lot of pests, which will stunt their their growth. Um, We've seen a lot of complementary planting, wherein you use plants that are natural pest repellents for these type of things. I believe magnolia is um, one type, and then there's also certain herbs that you can plant with your tomatoes to keep those pests away. But The pests are a big thing with tomatoes and because they're so minuscule, you don't see them and you don't even think that that's what's wrong with Mm. or stunting the growth. Mm. What can I add to that? Uh, There are a lot of varieties that Mm. you can get. You could grow from seed, grow local local available seed. Uh, We've heard recently where some of the commercial seeds haven't been viable mm. uh, and that's been a big problem so it's a, a good reason to grow local and a couple of weeks ago we talked to Laura Blishen from Thrive Sustainability and she's a big advocate yeah. for for old-fashioned varieties grown locally I know she will be at the Kalamunda Garden Festival mm. which is on next weekend yeah. um, that, and there are other growers as well. Down to Earth will be there with their range of seeds too. So do you want a tomato for for salads or sandwiches or making a paste? Do you want cherry tomatoes? Do you think cherry red tomatoes or yellow? are easier to grow overall? Oh, I think if, if your recipe is right, uh, if you're not letting the leaves touch the ground, you, you mm-hmm. might train them up. I think... Tomatoes are, are not hard to grow, mm. but you start with the basics. Good potting mix, maybe putting them in a pot, uh, maybe even growing them hydroponically so that they get the moisture they need. Yeah, that's very popular, I think isn't the, it? the variety is probably key, a good quality from the get-go, know what you're growing, and keeping up fertiliser to it, so liquid feeds um, regularly. Water. Uh, gross lease is a very gross popular lease, one. Very popular. There's love, black Russian, there's zebra striped. Yeah. Um, mm. Or, yeah, you just have to find the one that's right for you. And how much sunlight each day? Uh, good amounts. They'll take full sun, but probably a little bit of uh, shade cover. So, white shade cloth would probably mm. be ideal. Mm. Um, so, once again, that, that depends on your growing environment. Protection from winds. Um, and pest issues. There's been a lot of tomato blight about this year, I think. So, therefore, growing the mm. seed mm. in fresh pots mm. would be mm. a way to to minimise and that overcome problem. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, Heather phoned in of Ardros. Lights are out at the intersections at the freeway and Hepburn Avenue. Okay, so the lights oh. are out. Yeah, I guess, look, at the moment, because we've had this little bit of rain. The dust on the power the roads, poles. The roads, mm. it will be a little bit treacherous out there. And you're right, yeah, dust on power poles. So. Yes, it will be slippery. So, mm, you know, everyone careful. out there, be careful. Give yourself extra space between yes, the vehicles because you slam your foot on the brake. 
there's oil build up on the road, it'll be slippery when wet. It yes. will. Now, how would you like to win yourself a $75 gift voucher from Green Life Soil Co. in Middle Swan? Their motto is delivering a greener garden. And I noted on the Green Life Facebook page that all of their veggie heritage seeds in store are non-hybrid and non-GMO, which means you can save your seeds to grow next season. If you go to greenlifesoil.com.au, you can browse their free Perth gardening guides. And whilst there, check out what Green Life have to say about autumn gardening and get the jump on the season by being organised with your gardening products and requirements. Green Life are open Monday to Sunday and they will assist you with all of your gardening needs. They deliver across the metro area and you can actually access a courtesy trailer from them too, which I think is very, very convenient. Okay, here's one of John's curly questions. It's a true or a false? And oh yes, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to won a lot prize in the last 28 days. True or false? The adult carnaby black cockatoo has only one natural predator. True or false? The adult carnaby black cockatoo has only one natural predator. 94841927. Good luck with that. We shall return. And there's about 12 minutes of the show remaining. We have a winner for our Green Life Soil Co. $75 gift voucher, Kevin from Bennett Springs. Good on you, Kevin. That uh, voucher will be in the mail to you this week. The question was, true or false, the adult carnaby black cockatoo has only one natural predator. The answer is true, the wedge-tailed eagle. Okay. Of course, John is saying their chicks are vulnerable. There's can't get that out. To other predators as well, but... Uh, the adult uh, carnaby black cockatoo, uh, his predator is the wedge-tailed eagle. Yeah, okay. There wouldn't be too many things that would beak pick a fight with, with a black cockatoo if you've seen their yeah. beak and how mm-hmm. strong they are. Yeah. Right, yeah. Ray, I've got a couple of emails to quickly Go. get through. Go. Uh, this is from Elaine. She loves our show and she is wondering why the blue iris that she bought, uh, she's put in the ground divided the bulbs and planted, uh, used it as a border on a garden bed and they throw up leaves but they die back. Now, if it is the Dutch iris bulb, that that is a bit sad because once they pop up, which is usually through winter, they then flower in spring and eventually die down and repeat their cycle. So probably what I would do, Elaine, is dig them up to save them I would pot them into some good quality potting mix and the thing is when they are flowering and dying down, that is when you feed them. So you give them a liquid fertiliser with that's designed for flowering and fruiting plants that puts the energy into their leaves which dies down back into the bulb to feed next year's growth. So by doing that, you you can make sure that the bulbs are getting everything they need. Uh, also put slow-release fertiliser into the potting mix and plant a few annuals around it so you're not wasting the pot space. And the bigger the pot, the better. These can make amazing displays. If they don't flower this season, then next year, hopefully, you'll you'll get it. Um, and that way you can put them in a position where they get the sun and they'll They'll grow just with the weather seasons. They won't really need a lot more extra care. This is from Sasha. She has a lemon tree that the leaves 
have gone brown. Should I transplant it now or how do I go about it? Well, you know, if it's in the ground, I wouldn't worry too much. It's it's probably suffering with the heat, but make sure that it's got good bedding around it. So clay and compost, uh, organic manure and a layer of mulch. Now, I've got citrus trees in the garden and none of them are going brown. They get regular watering because they're fruiting plants. If it's in a pot, if it's got reflective heat off something else, look for those factors that's that's causing the browning. And if you do put it into a pot, citrus potting mix, good size pot, and uh, autumn it should come away and put on some new growth. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. that's it from me. All right, I have another question for Nikki, if I may. Uh, when you're propagating plants, in mm. particular variegated plants, What's the difference between propagating a tip cutting and a mid-stem cutting? Is there any difference? So there, there is a bit of a difference because um, obviously you take a mid-stem cutting, it won't necessarily have that new growth point just yet, or it might have a little axillary bud, which mm. is about to uh, sprout. But generally your tip cuttings will root quicker. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, we find that where the tip is, we tend to get a little bit more growth of the aerial root while the leaves are um, opening. Mm. Um, but when purchasing, always tip. The tip cutting is always the better cutting just because yeah. it will be the more easy to grow, the more viable. You don't have the risks of uh, the person, say, you've purchased it from having cut too close to the node mm. of the mid-stem cutting, which will then mean you, you're you probably not going to get new growth. There's not going to be a spot for the mm. new growth to pop through. Mm. Um, but mid-stem cuttings will take a little bit more than a tip cutting to grow. Okay. And just quickly, browning on leaves. I think it's the bane of all indoor plant mm, owners. Absolutely. And there can be so many reasons. Uh, reasons. Yeah. Um, at the moment... If you're getting uh, browning on your leaves, you could attribute it to how dry it's been, the mm-hmm. lack of humidity. humidity. Yeah. Uh, another factor is obviously burn. Mm-hmm. But then you've also got, as Faye was talking about just briefly before, reflective burn. Mm. And so um, obviously that'll come through. It'll look like burn, just slightly different. And then you've got drafts or <laughs> lack of airflow. And that is a real yeah, a real annoyance because what is a draft? How much is too much airflow? Yeah, because yeah, they've got to have some air. Yes, yeah. because air circulation is very important for plant mm. growth. Mm. But uh, what we've found is any of our rooms that we've got, say, one door at one end, another door at another end, so it's kind of isolated on its own. With the doors being open and closed so much, we mm. have been unfortunately successful in creating drafts in some areas and we've seen that damage on some of our Thai constellation variegation, elbow variegation. So yes, really drafts. So they would like more moisture or humidity? Higher humidity, Mm. but again, you don't ever really want too much water ever sitting on the leaves, especially the white parts of variegation. Whilst plants will take it, it is a risky 
thing to allow it to sit there because sometimes it can actually absorb too much water, which you'll then see the browning in the variegation part. What about when you get a brown spot and it's got yellow around the brown spot? That may be a fungal thing. A fungal thing. Yes, fungal or bacterial. So that may be actually coming from the roots. Okay. Mm. Okay. Whoa, we've covered quite a lot um, (laughs) for you uh, crazy indoor plant people out there. I hope we've... uh, tickled your fancy this morning and a big thank you to you Nikki for coming in today we'd like to get you in every quarter if we can and do our indoor plant thing we love having you here oh no it's been great and (laughs) Faya Caro of course and lovely to have Bev Daring back on the phones and of course our very own John Glidden oh good morning I think all around let me see we've got Jim Crinan, very patiently sitting here. He's going to be up next with the classic 70s, so do stay with us for Jim. And my gardenism of the morning is, here's to the gardeners that know there's always room for one more plant. (laughs) That's me. Okay, everyone, look, take care. It's been a great morning. Enjoy this cooler weather and a little bit of dampness uh, finally. And happy gardening, everybody. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.